You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Hello and welcome to Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. Before we dive into this week's episode, I'd like to remind you to join me live every Wednesday and Sunday for my YouTube live stream shows when we have Elvis fan chats, an Elvis fan of the month quiz with monthly prizes up for grabs, and I pick my Elvis song of the week. Nick Adams was an American film and television actor and screenwriter. He was noted for his roles in several Hollywood films during the 1950s and 1960s, along with his starring role in the ABC television series The Rebel. Nick's friendship with Elvis Presley began in 1956 on the set of his debut movie Love Me Tender. The young movie stars quickly became friends and spent a great deal of time together in Hollywood and at Elvis's home in Memphis during the summer and fall of 1956. The Rebel and the King is a first-person account written by Nick about his friendship with Elvis. The manuscript was written in 1956 by Nick during their eight days in Memphis when the singer returned home for his Tupelo homecoming. The manuscript was discovered years later by his daughter, Alison, and published in 2012. I'm delighted to say I have Alison on the line now to speak with me about her father and Elvis's friendship. Hi Alison, you are very welcome to the show. Hi Steve, great to be here. Now, for our listeners, uh, where about are you based in the United States? I am in Virginia City, Montana. It's uh, in southwestern Montana, and it's an, a historical landmark. It's where we had the gold rush. That's, mm-hmm. that, that, that sounds... So it's an old western town. Oh, I, I'm I'm thinking of all the the the, uh, the western movies now going through my head, <laughs> visualizing that. Well, my father's uh, hit series was The Rebel in 1959 and 1960. And so I've grown up with Westerns my whole life. And it's kind of funny that I ended up gravitating to this Western town. And now I take Western photographs. I have a Western costume shop. So it's really uh, part of my life. I love the old Westerns. Yeah, yeah. And Um, the new Westerns. Yeah, yeah, of course. Now, uh, for anybody that's not familiar with your father, Nick Adams, if you can tell me a little bit about Nick, and we'll start there. Well, my father was an actor who was uh, born in Nanticoke, Pennsylvania. Uh, His father was a coal miner, and they were part of the Ukrainian. uh, My father was the first generation. um, His parents came from the Ukraine, And they were coal miners in Pennsylvania, where a lot of them settled. And um, my father's uh, uncle was killed in a coal mining accident. And that spurred my grandfather to say, I'll never have one of my sons die as a miner. And he packed up the family and they drove till the car ran out of gas. And they ended up in Jersey City. And uh, so they moved to Jersey City, and that's where my dad ended up uh, going to Snyder High and being on the baseball team. Uh, He was offered a contract to a baseball team. I can't think of the name, Uh, but he didn't think he'd make enough money. He wanted to come to Hollywood and be a movie star. 
and so he did. And how how did he how did he get started in the in the movie business? What was his sort of first roles? Was he just like walk on parts and things like that? Well, his first kind of big break uh, was from Jack Palance. Uh, who was a fellow Ukrainian and had a mining family from Pennsylvania. And my father met him and um, Jack got him uh, this part. And he, you know, first uh, he was in New York doing theater. And then uh, he ended up coming out to Los Angeles and he was having a hard time uh, breaking into the business. So he joined the Coast Guard and then he came back a um, for two years, and then there was a audition for the movie Mr. Roberts, mm-hmm. and my father uh, snuck on the Warner Brothers set, and he uh, got in wearing his Coast Guard uniform, and he did an uh, audition and did his impersonations for John Ford, and uh, ended up getting a, a part. And that was kind of his big break. Mm. And then as, as what normally happens is the parts uh, get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. As And then he was very, very fortunate to land a role in the James Dean movie, Rebel Without a Cause. Yes. And no, but he had, he had a, 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 oh, sorry for interrupting you, but I, I, I did a bit of research and he, he actually knew James Dean from about 1950 onwards. Is that correct? Doing a, a soft drink right. commercial. Yes, a Pepsi Cola commercial. Right. And uh, and they, yeah, they were they were friends, and they stayed in touch. And then my dad went and saw um, Dean in a, a Broadway in a play, and they reconnected. And he was just so proud of James Dean that he mm. had turned into such a great actor. And it's um, funny in my daddy box, which I have all my archives of the articles and stuff that my father wrote for, he wrote a lot of um, articles for the Hollywood magazines. And he wrote an article called the James Dean I knew and Mm -hmm. talks about their friendship and how uh, James Dean always wanted to play Hamlet (laughs) and, uh, and, you know, gave him, and James Dean gave my dad acting tips, and you know they were they were good friends. Hmm. Hmm. And then, of course, uh, tragically, James's life was cut short by the uh, the, the fatal car accident in uh, 1955, November 1955, I believe, wasn't it? And it was my father who actually flew to New York to tell Natalie Wood. He heard the news. Of course, he was devastated. Mm. And he flew to New York to tell Natalie. And Natalie, um, her teacher, her guardian, uh, said to Nick, do not tell her tonight. She has a screen test uh, tomorrow morning. She'll be up crying all night. Her Mm. eyes will be puffy. Mm -hmm. You can't tell her. And so my dad had to sit with the news and fake it, you know, till Natalie, see her tomorrow. And then, of course, he told her the news and she was devastated. Mm-hmm. Because Natalie had a big star- starring role in Rebel Without a Cause. Um, so, yeah, I, that must have been awful to have to break that news to Natalie. Uh, you know, he, he must have had a sleepless night before he had to break it to Natalie. He did, and he wrote a poem. I wish I could find it. He did write a poem to Dean and... 
but I don't know where it is, but it's mm. somewhere, mm. somewhere mm. out there. And then my father um, actually introduced Natalie Wood to R.J. Wagner. Um, oh, right. And they ended up getting married. Mm. And I recently found a picture, it was really neat, of my father at R.J. and Natalie's wedding right there with them cutting the cake. Wow. And... Uh, but that it's it's kind of funny. I, I, I kind of refer to my dad sometimes as the fifth beetle because <laughs> there are all these photos of whether it's Elvis or Natalie Wood or James Dean where he's in the picture, but he's been cut out. Yes, yes. For the public photo. And then you find these photos. I see him and there's my dad. <laughs> um, so uh, how did the meeting between your father, Nick Adams, and Elvis Presley come about? My father was auditioning for a movie um, at 20th Century Fox, and he was leaving the studio, and he heard his somebody call out his name, Hey, Nick. And my dad turned around, and it was Elvis Presley. And Elvis was walking towards him with his hand out, and introduced himself and my dad was taken aback because he'd heard of Elvis Presley but he and he had seen him and he wanted to congratulate him on his success but he said no and he and and Elvis called him out and it was like they instantly had a connection and Elvis asked my dad if he'd show him around Hollywood and he did uh my dad was quite the live wire and he gave Elvis a tour of Hollywood and uh, Elvis called him and had him come on the movie set and then that way we're hanging out in the hotel rooms or riding bikes <laughs> motorcycles and they had a ball now you found a manuscript written by your father um, that makes up the book The Rebel and the King which is uh, Nick's sort of uh, memories of the friendship that he and Elvis Presley had. Do, do we know when that manuscript was written? Well, it was written in 1956. And that's why kind of what sets the book apart from other books is that it really wasn't his memories. Elvis and my father were writing the book together. All right. That was one thing that I... I learned when I went to Graceland, you know, they were so great giving me photos and allowing me to publish the book. And I launched the book at Graceland at Elvis weekend in August um, in 2012. But um, two people that had known my father and Elvis during that 1956 is when um September 26th was Elvis's Tupelo homecoming concert. And so my father asked, um, so Elvis asked my dad if he would go with him uh, and tour and open his concerts doing, my dad used to do these really funny impersonations of Jimmy Cagney, Humphrey Bogart. um, And so he asked my dad to go along. And so they went to, uh, First, they, you know, they went to Memphis and then they went to Tupelo and people said that my dad and Elvis were carrying a typewriter around with them. And they said, Elvis, what are you doing with the typewriter? And he said, we're writing a book. <laughs> and 
And a lot of the book are tape recordings of Elvis, um, especially the chapter Gospel According to Elvis, is that that is a whole, that's word for word from Elvis mm. that was tape recorded. And I think that, and I, and, you know, of course, Colonel Parker sanctioned this, but Elvis was very distraught. A lot of people forget how controversial he was when he, you know, he became so famous and then he really became the target of, of people, you know, they were burning his records, you know, because of his dancing and mm. he was quite controversial mm -hmm. and Elvis felt very misunderstood. And so I think the book was to show what Elvis was really like, you know, that he was a very spiritual man and that he was a very um, humble man and respectful. I know that one of the things my dad was so impressed with Elvis was that he, he used to, he says it over and over. I actually had to edit it out of the book because he said it so much <laughs> is that Elvis was the nicest guy in show business yeah. because he would shake hands with people. He'd be just as nice to the janitor as he'd be to the director. He always said hello, good morning, uh, much different than a lot of the celebrities nowadays, mm. Um, mm. which they're not always. I think I, I think a, a lot of that stemmed from uh, Vernon and his mother Gladys because they were very humble, down-to-earth people who treated everybody exactly the same, no matter who you were. Definitely. So I, so I think that probably, you know, that's a, a credit to his upbringing from Vernon and Gladys. Can I ask, when did you actually discover the, the manuscript that your father had typed out? I discovered it in 2008. Um, I had gone to California with my daddy box. Um, I really wanted to, I had been living in Montana and I'd found this box. I'd been carrying it around with me for years and I was sort of afraid to open it. I finally did. And I found this manuscript and I was in, uh, Culver city. It, it was 2008 and I didn't really know what to do with it. I mean, first I was just so happy to find it because I really grew up not knowing that my father was that close to Elvis in his early days mm -hmm. or that he was friends with James Dean and Natalie Wood and all of this. I, I just didn't really know. And it was so neat because, you know, my father had a tragic end and before he passed away, he and my mother, they were going through a really tumultuous uh, divorce and custody battle. And so I was sort of left with sort of the dark side of my father's legacy. And when I found the manuscript about Elvis, I got to, to learn about my dad in his early heyday. And, you know, that he's riding limos with Elvis. And uh, it was such a... Um, it was a time of innocence. It was like the last glimpse of innocence before the end of an era. Yes. And I really felt privileged and happy to, to find it. Cause I, I, it's like, I got to know my dad. Yeah. Yeah. 
I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and and it's funny you should say about that being the end of innocence and things like that. That's exactly how I feel about this book and about the times that uh, Nick and Elvis spent together, especially in 1956. That that summer of '56, it it just seemed so carefree. Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. obviously Elvis was beginning to start <laughs> to be in the eye of the storm and everything like that, he you know it was still it still hadn't completely reached. His fame hadn't really completely reached to what it would become. Well, yes, because in the book, it tells you how they're in Catalina and they're walking along the road. And then the next thing they know, there's like a thousand people following him. And they go into a bookstore and everybody's buying every magazine with Elvis and having him sign it. And, you know, Elvis, too, would spend hours signing autographs and talking to his fans and sometimes you see pictures of my dad he's just sort of there like looking a little bored like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) because he'd been there for hours with Elvis Um, Elvis never wanted to disappoint anybody you know he would he would try he would try and please everybody one of the things that I I I found uh, remarkable was that Nick included so much detail in some of the times that him and Elvis spent together, you know, he he went to great detail in what his mother cooked them for breakfast, uh, and you know what they did on a particular day. It's it, for anybody that wants to know, you know, what Elvis Presley was up to and what his life was like in the summer of 1956. Read this book because Nick does include a lot of detail in it. I know, and I, that was one of my favorite parts was the food because both my father. And Elvis loved to eat. Mm. And uh, Tom Brown, uh, who is the Elvis, uh, premier Elvis expert um, at Graceland, and he was the one that was really instrumental in shepherding the book Mm. uh, to Graceland. And he loved the book so much because it really did show uh, the relationship between Elvis and his mom. And, mm. his, and his dad. Yes. And because she died so, you know, shortly after that, that there really wasn't a lot of um, press or articles or things that really captured that relationship. And that's why Tom Brown just loved that part of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading here um, where your dad says that one morning uh, Mrs. Presley came in and uh, she woke uh, Elvis and Nick up and said, time for breakfast. And she listed off, she said, I've got eggs, ham, pork chops, bacon, fried potatoes, hot biscuits and you, you, uh, milk and coffee. And, and your dad says, I, I couldn't hardly wait to finish showering. And he says it was probably one of the best breakfast he'd ever eaten in his life. <laughs> And uh, uh-huh. and Elvis says, boy, there's no place like home. And every time Gladys brought more stuff to the table, he'd give her a big hug and a kiss. So it's just it's just a it's just a lovely book. It's just so well described. Uh, you know, the, the ins and outs that's of, of the Elvis. That's chapter day. called Breakfast with Gladys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, there's another lovely yeah. story. There's another lovely story as well of uh, him and Elvis being out in the Messerschmitt and they run out of fuel. And you know what? I got to, when I was in um, Memphis, um, I got to meet somebody that knew them and saw them when they were driving around in that. Uh, so they were, quite the, they were quite the pair. Like you said, it really was 
right before Elvis's fame exploded so much that he would then end up isolating more hmm. because, you know, even when they were going to the fairgrounds, you know, they'd sneak in and try and do something. But then people would discover it was Elvis and it was all over. They'd have to escape. Yeah, um, that's 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 one thing that yeah. strikes me is when they went somewhere, they knew they were on uh, like almost like borrowed time. They'd only get so Bar- long wherever they went. They'd only get so long before whoom, it would all just completely everybody would just descend on them. So <laughs> they had to try and do as much as they could before that started happening. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me the story about uh, the there was a film premiere going on and Elvis and Nick were coming out of a building opposite the film premiere, I think, wasn't it? Oh, yes, that was when. Right. And everybody left the premiere across the street and came over to Elvis. Uh, Yes, I know. Which is kind of unusual because really when you've got a when you when you've got a film premiere, the fans are waiting around to see the movie stars going in to watch the the premiere. But instead, they'd all gone across the road to see Elvis and Nick, and <laughs> nobody was watching the actors going in. <laughs> no, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. he he was like he was like a magnet. Elvis was like a magnet for people. He was. He really was special. And I think the greatest entertainer ever. I mean, his legacy, I mean, his fans, the people that love Elvis, I mean, it has been the best part about publishing the book was meeting the fans. I always say everyone has a lo- uh, an Elvis story because people can tell you where they were. You know, they got married and Elvis song was playing. They can tell you where they were when they heard Elvis died. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, the, I've I've met people from all over the world that love Elvis. And it's, it's like a, um, a, a homecoming reunion or something when you go to any of these conferences or book signings and people come. They're just so eager to hear the stories. It's really been great. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's it's very hard to kind of put into words, you know, why we think Elvis was so successful and why his his fame and his popularity endures to this day. I, I think one of the reasons is he was just such a, a nice human being, a nice person. I mean, I, I remember I recall part of the book where your your father said that he spends, this was at Audubon Drive in Memphis, he spends hours and hours outside talking to fans and signing uh, autographs. And he says that uh, God gave me this great success. And if I can't handle it, he might take it away from me. So he'll always try his best to be loyal to the fans and give them their money's worth but there was always people Mm -hmm. there was always some people who resented it and there's a story in the book where some uh, a person sticks their head in the uh, car window to Elvis and says that he doesn't like his music he'd he'd been drinking this fellow and Elvis handled it very graciously Mm -hmm. I think he said Mm -hmm. something that happened a lot yeah yeah, I think he said something along the lines of, well, there's some that I don't like either. <laughs> he kind of turned it around. Very yeah, no, nice. he didn't take himself too seriously. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. for sure. That's that for humility. Sure. Yes, humility. That's it. That's exactly yeah. what it is. So 
um, as I say, there, there's so many stories in in the book. Um, the, the, there's no real point in me trying to cover all of them because uh, there are so many. But I would recommend this book definitely, The Rebel and the King. Uh, as you say, they were sort of carefree days, the, the, the last days of innocence. And when Nick and Elvis went to Tupelo to the welcome home Elvis fair, um, they, it was never quite the same again, was it? They, they didn't see as much of each other after that fall of 1956. Well, then they well, they still kept in touch. Mm. And my father's career uh, started to take off. And they were at Paramount at the same time when mm. Elvis... Uh, was there and my dad was filming the rebel series yeah because i've seen the picture of them yeah i've seen pictures of uh, them together on the gi blue set i think uh, there's another one as well in the book mm-hmm. with uh, follow that dream as well i think it looks like elvis was following that dream follow right. that dream at the time there's another shot uh quite a bit later on actually in the mid 60s it looks like uh, colonel parker's uh, birthday uh, uh, or something like that there's a cake in it oh, anyway yeah. and nick nick is nick is in the photograph there with the rest of what i what people now call the memphis mafia uh, so yeah i mean it was uh-huh. i don't think they, they they no they they didn't lose touch but they just didn't spend as much time as they did in that summer of 1956 uh, and of course uh, your no, father uh, your father got married they, in 1959 didn't he i think yes and when i was born l uh, my father wanted to take me and my mother over to Elvis's to uh, introduce Elvis to me and my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad wanted to show off his little family. And we, I, of course, you don't have a picture of it, but I did. I sat on Elvis's lap and had breakfast oh, wow. <laughs> when I was just like maybe one years old. <laughs> so um, I did get to meet him. That's great. That, that that that's lovely. It's it's a pity. It's a pity you were just a, a smidgen older because you probably would have remembered it. I wish I had, but yeah. I don't. But yeah. I've been told. My mother told me in the nineteen sixties. Um, your dad was obviously Johnny Humor uh, f- for seventy six uh, episodes, uh, I believe. Uh, between was that nineteen fifty nine and nineteen sixty one, and he actually wrote thirty eight yeah. episodes for that as well. Yes, and he was um, the co-creator as yeah. well, yeah. which was pretty unheard of in those days for a lead actor to also be co-creator, co-producer yeah. on his own series. Uh, he was in uh, Wagon Train, uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Rawhide, uh, The Wonderful World of Disney. Uh, these are all on TV. Uh, the movies, uh, The Last Wagon. Uh, the Last Wagon actually was 1956, and it, it's, it actually mentions that in the book, doesn't it? Uh, him, Elvis, and uh, Natalie Wood went to see The Last Wagon uh, when it when it premiered. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts, too. It gives yes. me chills. It was really a big deal because he went to the premiere with Elvis and Natalie, and they were sitting there, and all of a sudden, my dad's name came up on the screen, and I, you know, Natalie kissed him, and, and then he feels a tap on his shoulder, and he looks over, and it's Elvis saying, you know, Good, good on you. Yeah, it yeah. really, it really meant a lot to him. I think, I think Elvis said in the book, uh, "I know how you feel, man." 
I think that's what he said to Nick. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm sure Elvis had the same mm-hmm. feeling when he saw his name uh, in "Love Me Tender" around the, around about the same time. Yeah, the uh, yeah, and Elvis wanted to be a serious actor. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk. Jerry Schilling, um, who I met uh, when I was in Memphis, and he said to me that Colonel Parker was a little bit threatened by uh, my dad, Nick, and Elvis's friendship because Colonel Parker was afraid that if he met too many people in Hollywood, they would he would find out that he was overpaying his manager, Colonel Parker. Mm. Um, you know, Elvis was kept in the dark about a lot of things, and Colonel Parker was taking a huge percentage of Elvis's earnings and that was not that was not normal and i think that's what jerry said he was afraid that nick or would tell him what what actors really paid their managers and also elvis wanted to be a serious actor that's why he wanted to meet my dad is that elvis was obsessed with james dean he loved james dean Mm. and elvis had this thing he had sort of an audiographic memory. He could recite back. He could watch a movie once and then recite back all of the dialogue from the movie. And that was one of the things my dad was so impressed with when when Elvis met my dad. He told him his whole part that he had done in Rebel Without a Cause. And, you know, he he remembered everything. And he loved James Dean and he knew my father was friends with him. And that was what really motivated Elvis to want to meet my dad because he wanted to be part of that young, hip Hollywood crowd. Mm. And of course, I just was reading something um, about he, I think it was Stella Stevens, but that Elvis did get very frustrated with the movies that he was making. They weren't great movies. And he wanted to do more serious acting. But I don't know if Elvis really, he was more of a, he was a performer. for sure, but serious acting, he never really got a chance to mm, do it. That's right. I mean, he had the potential because I've said many times, you know, mm-hmm. if you if, if you watch movies like uh, King Creole, Flaming Star and so forth, you can see the potential there, but it just wasn't given the opportunity to flourish, unfortunately. The money was in the songs and the beach movies and so forth. And, and, and that's that's what mm-hmm. Colonel that's what Colonel Parker said to Elvis. That's what we should pursue. But you could see you could definitely see the potential there, I think. And also, Elvis could have gone to Europe and been huge, but mm. Colonel Parker couldn't leave the country. Yes. So because, um, you know, Colonel Parker, you know, and you, you find in the Elvis universe, there are the favorites and the not favorites. And a lot of fans are very angry at Colonel Parker um, for what he did to Elvis, besides making him a huge star. But then there were things that he did that held him back. And, you know, Colonel Parker, for whatever reason, I, he could not leave the country. Um, and so Elvis was not able to, to tour in Europe and go around because Colonel Parker didn't want him to, because mm. he couldn't leave. That's all for part one. Coming up in part two, Alison shares more stories about her father and Elvis, including Elvis's reaction to Nick's untimely death in 1968.
Don't forget to join me live on YouTube every Wednesday and Sunday for Elvis Fan Chat, the Elvis Fan of the Month quiz, with a monthly prize to be won for the most correct answers, and find out what song I have chosen as Elvis's Song of the Week. Until then, stay safe, and I hope you'll join me next time for another episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel.